hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. What is up, Remote Start Nation? I'm Jim Doyon, your host. And on this episode, we're going to be talking with entrepreneur Bradley Jacobs, founder and CEO of MyLance. We're going to be talking today about starting a business and what it takes to get your brand out there. After four and a half years of launching and scaling businesses at Uber, Bradley built his independent consulting business up to $25,000 a month in just 25 hours per week of work. He then went on to found MyLance to help you work for yourself, whether that's full-time consulting or alongside, alongside a full-time job. Without further ado, I want to welcome Bradley to the Remote Start Nation. Bradley, how are you, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm stoked to have you. Uh, we had a little bit of conversation prior to the show, and I really think you're going to add a lot of value to the Remote Start Nation. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's do Tell it. us something that we wouldn't know if we first met you. I was on the standard path for a long time. Yeah, I got into, I tried to get into the best college I could get into. I got the best job I could get. I tried to move up at that job. I got another job. Uh, I was on the very standard cookie cutter path. And I think you look at me now and I'm an entrepreneur and I had a consulting business and I still consult and I get involved in all these different off the path projects, but for a long time I was on the path and it was not easy to get off, but it was definitely the best thing I, I ever did to get off. So let's go back. So you worked at Uber. Was that your first big, uh, you know, job? Pretty much. I was a management consultant for, I didn't even make it two years. They say you're supposed to last two years. I couldn't make it. I was bored. Uh, and I joined Uber in May of 2014. So that was my first at least tech startup, uh, fast paced job, at least. And you, you did a lot to help them grow. You, you learned a lot, but then you went into your own thing. Tell us a, the background of your entrepreneurial journey. I had kind of false starts. I call them. I, I tried to start a business so many times in my life, whether in college or you get with some friends and you have this idea and you're like all in. And then three weeks later, maybe three months later, whatever it is, it's, it's dead. Right. And I had that false start, I want to say maybe 10 times. And I was sick of doing it. I was really yeah. sick of, of not taking something to the finish line. And so it really started when I quit Uber. I had a lot of success within Uber of growing business lines and even starting business lines within that company. It's obviously a very different thing, but I saw what I was capable of doing and I just had to do it on my own. So what I did was I started consulting and we can talk about how I got the consulting business off the ground, but I was consulting while I was testing different startup ideas because I wanted to make sure I was really passionate about what project I ended up working on because I knew it was going to be three, five, 10 year commitment at a, at a minimum. And I wanted it to be that. I didn't want to, yeah. you know, build something real quick and get rid of it. 
So I wanted to make sure I was really passionate about it. So I consulted while I tested ideas, eventually settled on the idea for MyLance, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And once I had that idea, I just went all in. I just incorporated the company and I told myself, no matter what happens, I'm not giving up on this. Whatever roadblock, whatever situation, whatever rejection, doesn't matter. It's going to work. And I don't know what it'll look like, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to take one step forward every day. And frankly, I think that's the attitude that has gotten me to where I am today, where I have a business and employees and a team and customers and all of that. Otherwise, it's, it's pretty easy, frankly, to give up when things get hard, which inevitably, they get hard. They get hard. They always get hard. So you said, you said something that stood out that I, I want to focus on here for a second. So you, you didn't, you had failed multiple times. You didn't just exit Uber and, you know, start MyLance. You started consulting in the things that you knew that you had learned, the, the things that you were good at, but you knew that wasn't your end all be all. You used it to buy you time to find out what you're passionate about before you really jumped in. That, that's exactly right. I, Honestly, didn't even know if I could consult, but it, it occurred to me that maybe I could just make some money on the side while I figured things out. And I very much could. I really put myself out there. I found a few clients. The money was great. And it was, I could really cap the number of hours. And actually at that time, I got together with a few friends and I was working on a travel business with them. It was like a curated Yelp for your network for travel recommendations. This was pre-COVID. So travel yeah. businesses still seemed exciting. And we spent nine months meeting early in the mornings and developing this whole product. And we had never validated the idea. We never used an Excel sheet and had a form and just did it without a product. We spent all this time in design and uh, focus groups and all that kind of stuff. And we were building it. And it actually fell apart when our developer got a, like a crazy full-time job offer that he couldn't turn down. And it just kind of fell apart at that time. And I was like, okay, this isn't the thing. Like, and we right. just completely dropped that project. I was still consulting, thankfully, to pay the bills. And, uh, you know, I can talk more about the Myland story, but one thing led to another and I had all of a sudden the idea that I knew was special for me. So let's get into Myland. So let, let's hear, so this falls through and you're still consulting. And then at what point did, did Myland really start to come to your mind? Like, this is something big. So I started sharing more on LinkedIn. I started just sharing my story. Like, here's things I've learned since I left Uber. And I started talking about my part-time work. A lot of my Uber colleagues or even just people in my network started reaching out to me and say like, hey, can I pick your brain on that? Like, that's kind of interesting. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I was kind of in the mode once I left Uber that I was just taking every phone call that people asked. I, was the, I used to be the opposite. I, so I said no to everything. I was like, it seemed like a waste of time. And I completely changed the philosophy. So I started taking these calls and maybe the seventh call of someone saying like, wow, I want to consult part-time too. I finally just said in the middle of a phone call, I said, I'm happy to help you. I'll help you every step of the way. Just give me a small cut of your revenue for a few months. Nice. And she was like, done, deal. And it turned out that really was my first customer. And so I, I had to build the program. I didn't have anything. I didn't sell yeah. her something I had, right? So... I built this program for what she should do and I would give her a module and she'd send it back to me and I'd give her the next module and I'd give her feedback and action items. And then the next person I spoke with, I said, well, I have this course and you can come in and you can take it. And people were like, done, deal. And people were signing up. 
And, you know, I went through a lot of learnings and how to make the course good. And I had to make it into a cohort model and I had to charge something up front, not just a rev share. And there's a whole lot of nuance and learnings, but that's really where my land started because I had this idea for, for my own consulting business. I saw the challenges, right? Bookkeeping, taxes, health insurance, bank account, finding new leads. I mean, I could go on for a long time of all the things you need when you leave a company. You need yeah. the backbone infrastructure. So the idea for MyLands was this one-stop shop for your consulting business, right? The Shopify, everything you could possibly need. So you deliver on client work, we take care of the rest. You can't just go build everything, right? Yeah. That, that's a full submission. So I had to start somewhere. And this is really where we ended up starting based on just these conversations I was having, which frankly, I, I can look back now and say, that was proving demand for right. a product I didn't even know could exist, frankly, because we ended up charging, at one point we made the program two week long course and I charged 1200 bucks for it. And I only put the 1200 bucks to make the rev share look more appealing. I was like, no one's gonna pay $1,200 for this. Like that was really my mentality at the time. I was like, there's no way. And one of my customers said, I don't wanna give you a rev share. Like I'll just pay you the 1200 bucks. And it blew my mind. It was like an earth shattering moment for me of, okay, wow, there's something really here that people are willing to pay for and I can they trust me to deliver on it. Now I need to deliver an amazing product, but right. the demand is there. So now that was my Lance. At what year would you say that was? That was early 2020. We ran our first cohort April of 2020. Okay. So now fast forward, just started 2023. What has my Lance morphed into and, and grown to be? A great question. I'd say at its core, it's community and it's that software infrastructure that I was talking about with the original idea. We've also continued to learn we need to narrow in on that focus. And so we're really focused on lead generation and helping consultants find their next client. Because it's just the, the hardest thing to do is the biggest pain point. And consultants don't like sales. Unless you're literally a sales consultant, you don't like sales, you don't want to do sales, and you basically want a sales arm. Like I want to yeah. press a button and get some sales calls on my calendar. I can take those calls and close those calls, but go get me those calls. And that's what we're building now. A big part of what we do offer is community and people connecting with each other. We lead workshops where we talk about a, you know, a different hot topic, if you will. We have resources and templates and guides and everything to help you with your consulting business. The software is really about lead generation. That's fantastic. So you're taking a lot of what you learned in the early days and how you coached people through and consulted people through. You've laid that out, but now you're also adding a tool to help grow the business. That's right. And, and that's people ask me all the time. If your consulting business was so good, why did you leave it? And at the end of the day, I wanted to build something that genuinely helped people. And maybe it's a cliche in the entrepreneurial world, but it's just true. I didn't leave Uber to be a one-man show consulting. It's fun. It's exciting. I will probably do it for my entire life. I will always have some consulting clients on the side because it's just fun. Right. But I wanted to build something that I could see out in the world genuinely helping millions of people improve their lives. Like this part-time work changes your life, right? We worked with single moms. They're like, I only want to work when my child is sleeping. Or, you know, closing the gender pay gap or just complete flexibility on when you work, where you work. I mean, the possibilities are huge and I've just become such a proponent of it. So if I can make, you know, 1% change in that, 
and our software helps people do that. That's why I left Uber. And so that's what just I'm working every single day on. I love it. What's in the future for MyLance? What are you going to continue the sales arm? Are there other, you know, software elements you're going to bring into it? I'm trying to be so disciplined and so focused as an entrepreneur. I want to do everything, but we just, <laughs> you know, we can't, right? We have to be so right. smart. We can have partners that do other things. We have bookkeeping partners now. Um, this sales arm is going to be huge for us, right? If you can come to MyLens and, as I said, kind of press a button and get leads, that's, I won't sleep until, until that's a reality. And frankly, I'm not going to build another product until that's a reality. So there's so far we can take that. That is a big business in and of itself. At the same time, I know we're going to be, build other things, right? You're going to be able to manage your finances in the, in the MyLens app. You'll be able to save for retirement, find health insurance plans, get your bookkeeping and taxes taken care of, like really everything that you do need. We won't necessarily build it all, but it'll be a combination of partnering. We'll build some of it. We'll do some white label solutions. But I do want it to be a place where you just you can just get everything because people want this consulting business, but then they don't realize that now they've become a business owner and they need 20 different things that come along with that. Yeah. And I just want to reduce that burden, reduce that anxiety, and just say like, look, we got you taken care of. You pay your subscription to us and we'll take care of the rest. That's, that's incredible. I love it. And I'm, I'm excited to follow along and see how, how it grows throughout the years and, and to be a part of it. Let's go back to, you know, you've, you've had an incredible journey. Let's go back and, and lay it out for the Remote Start Nation. Like number one, in, when you're starting a business, Let's talk about, you know, I'd like for you to kind of hit on like when you get started, like validating that idea, you know, you, you hit on some of your, your, like one of your things that didn't work, right? Like, what do you do to validate it, to see if it has legs? Like, you know, this podcast is also about living your lifestyle. So, you know, it, it's one thing to get an idea, but if also let's talk about with that idea, like, is it something you're passionate about? I'd love to hear your, your take on that. So the first piece of, okay, you have an idea, now what, right? I think there's, there's two things and there's kind of the behind the scenes things and then there's the forefront of things. And I think you should do as little behind the scenes stuff as possible. Like don't go make a business model. Don't go do all this research. Don't go design logos, buy domains. Like all that stuff is not going to move the needle, right? right? The only thing I'd argue is that's going to move the needle is talking to users. Right. Talk to users, understand their problems. I think YC does a great job of they list out like five questions, unbiased questions. How big is the problem? How often do you have the problem? How are you solving the problem today? Right. It's user interviews. And frankly, if if the problem is so big and so deep for someone, they will pay for you for it right then and there, even right. without having seen it. Right. And that's what happened to me. I, w I didn't have an idea for a course to help people freelance. Right. But it just kind of happened from these conversations that I was having. And so that's what I would do. I would say, go talk to users. Go talk to like 30 users. Don't go talk to five. Right. right? Go talk to a lot and then get them to pay. Don't collect, like collect an email. Sure, that's nice. Get them to put down their credit card because often what will happen is they'll be like, oh yeah, I would totally do that. I would totally pay for it. It's like, okay, pay for it. Put down a deposit, Right. <laughs> Yeah. Like actually do it. And then you, and then you really see, are they actually putting their money where their mouth is or are they just saying a nice thing, right? So, so that's what I would say. And what often happens is 
you have an idea. It seems like a good business idea. And I'll just speak for myself. This is what would happen to me. I would work on it for a few weeks or a month or two, as I mentioned. And then I would kind of lose interest because something would get hard. Maybe even just my own internal motivation got hard. Maybe it was even nothing external. That's when you find out how passionate you are about the idea, right? When the first thing gets hard and you say like, yeah, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. Or do you say like, okay, this is my first roadblock. This is my first thing to overcome. How am I going to react to this? Am I going to like take a step forward tomorrow or am I going to quit? Yeah. And that to me, that is the number one thing. It's like talk when people come to me with ideas, I say one, go validate it. And two, talk to me in three weeks if you're still working on it. I look at it to that point, like it has to be something that you love. Like, what is it? Like, why are you doing this? Like you said with my Lance, like you really wanted to see a change. You wanted to help people. And that's bigger than just consulting or working for another company. Like, what is it that when it does get hard, like we talked about earlier in the episode, like it's going to get hard. There's going to be things, whether it's in a startup where you just lose interest or whether things seriously happen that get very difficult and stressful, you have to go back to that why, that reason and and understand like, this is why I did this. This is why I started this. Absolutely. And I remember writing it down, like, why am I running this company? And the number one reason can't be, I want to like build up the company, get really rich, sell it for a bunch of money. Like that is just not going to get you out of bed every day when things are hard. It's just not right. And frankly, there are easier ways to make money than building your own business. Like I think this, right. Like this is hard. It's a hard path and you have to do it. I think because you love solving the problem. Like I hear it all the time, become obsessed with solving the problem. Don't become obsessed with growth or anything else. Right. Like customer focused, customer obsessed, solving this problem. And if you solve that problem deeply well, and there's obviously has to be a business model surrounding it that works. But if you solve the problem deeply well, and there's an ability and willingness for your customer to pay, then you have a big business there. Just like period, end of story. Exactly. And it goes back to what you said. Like when you get started, validate the idea first. Don't waste a ton of time on a business plan and all the other things that go with it, right? Talk to your customer first, validate it, make sure it's something that people are willing to pay for. So that's a great point, Remote Start Nation. I I hope you learned that if you're just starting a business, thinking about starting a business, when you get started, validate it and understand what you're truly passionate about and your reason why. I want to get into the next talking point about thought leadership, how to establish yourself. You talked about LinkedIn. I've recently been, you know, trying to get on LinkedIn more and more. And I, it's my 2023 goal to be on LinkedIn a heck of a lot more as a thought leader. Talk to me, man. Help me out here. What, what do I need to do? Absolutely. It's something we work on with every single customer now. So thought leadership on LinkedIn is not preachy. That's what I've learned kind of the hard way. And I say the hard way as in my preachy posts get no engagement. And frankly, that's the first thing to let go of is that you're going to post on LinkedIn and some posts are going to get nothing. And that's okay. It's part of the process. And I remind myself when I write a terrible post, nobody sees it, right? If it gets two likes and 50 views, great. 50 people saw it, right? Good point. Right. And then your best posts, they get the most views. So people see, okay, so like that's, I think, number one, that kind of removes that fear of posting. Number two, LinkedIn users really reward vulnerability. 
if you can share something genuine from your life that was a learning, a mistake, a failure, a win, like wins can absolutely be shared. They just need to be genuine. Yeah. People love it, right? Like they want to hear the inside look into, like you could write a whole thing about starting this podcast, right? It's maybe it's been written about a hundred times, but what's a unique insight that you had that was hard for you, that was great for you, that you overcame, that was interesting, anything like that, right? I talked to, I think one of my best early performing posts was uh, sharing the first day I walked into Uber. And I walked into Uber. I was so excited. I joined this new company and, you know, no one really knew what Uber was back then. It wasn't this household name. And my boss was running around with her hair on fire, <laughs> right? Like I was expecting like an onboarding and kind of like some training and stuff like that. And she was like, Bradley, welcome. I need your help with a hundred things. <laughs> and it was just like, it blew up. Anyway, it was crazy. But I wrote a yeah. post about what that was like and it did great. And it, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't anything super insightful that other people can really apply, but I think it showed some vulnerability on my end. And then from there, I've learned the best posts are ones where I have a real learning from a personal experience. Mm. So I launched Uber Eats in Miami and I can share about, hey, that sounds really glorious on the surface. Here's what it was really like. We pounded the pavement. We hired these sales folks. We you know, fought with Uber HQ on pricing, right? Like we had so many challenges along the way. And I shared, I think, five tidbits from that launch. And that post blew up. It has like 100,000 views or something like wow. that. It's, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, I think and, and that almost indirectly establishes me as a thought leader, yeah. right? Because I'm sharing an experience I had that turned out well. It was hard. but it, and, the, and the post wasn't like, here's why the launch went so great. It was like, here's the inside look. But I had all these logistics founders and CEOs reaching out to me saying, hey, Looks like you learned a lot there. Like, can you jump on a call with me and help out my company? Nice. And, and I didn't write it to get consulting clients, right? Like I, I'm running right. my lands here, but I tell, I use it as an example for other people that do want to consult, which obviously, you know, are my lands customers of go tell a story, go tell a story where you learn something, where you have like a unique insight and it doesn't come across as preachy. It doesn't say, Hey, I'm consulting, please hire me. It doesn't do any of that. But at the same time, it does establish yourself as a thought leader. Yeah. And then if they click on your LinkedIn and they say they, they see that you're open to part-time work, you just got an inbound lead. You might get 10 of those for one post or 20 or 30 or 50. I got podcasts from that. Like I might've, you might've found me from that post for all I know, right? So <laughs> uh, that, that's really the best advice I have. That's really good advice too. And the story part, the vulnerability, those, those really resonate. You know, even there's something in my life recently that I, I've been thinking about posting. And after listening to you right now, I'm going to. But, you know, my daughter and I, I was trying to get her to go mountain biking with me. And she's like, Dad, why don't you do something I want to do? I'm like, fine. What do you want to do? She's like, you think about it. So I picked her up early from, from school on Friday. And we went and got uh, our toes painted. We, did, we went and got a manicure. So nice. uh, or what is that? Pedicure, manicure, whatever. Yeah. But she, uh, she thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And then afterwards, we went and did art and, and, and ate, uh, you know, overlooking the, the mountains. And it was like great time together. But it was, it was me like, you need, because you're my daughter, you know, you should do what I want to do to hang out. She spun it. And it was like the coolest moment ever. But it took her saying that. So I've been thinking about posting that on, on social because I think it's so cool. 
And it was such an incredible experience, but I, I don't know if something keeps, I keep stopping for some reason. And that is the question, like why, what is holding you back, right? We're, we don't need to get into a coaching call here, but that is what holds most people back, right? And often can be a fear, like what people might think, what if it doesn't perform well, like the, the what ifs just kind of pile up sometimes yeah. subconsciously. And we have to basically let go of it and say like, you know what? The worst case scenario is I post this and either nobody likes it or someone says like, hey, like you shouldn't be posting that or something like that. And, yeah. and you have to ask yourself, can I handle that if someone makes like a nasty comment to me? Like, yeah, it's not fun to get nasty comments, and, but people do it. And that's like, honestly, a lot more of a reflection of them than it is about you. And if you tell yourself, if you can genuinely handle that, which I'm sure you can, then you're like, all right, I got very little to lose and frankly, a lot to gain. Brother, that's great advice. And I think, you know, it goes back to even starting a business. Like, yeah. you just have to do it. Like, there's always a what if. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason. It's about getting it out there. And, and again, like you hit it on the head. It's not about you so much. It's probably about someone else's insecurities or something that's bothering them about the situation. And it's just understanding how can I handle that? I'm, I'm bigger than they are. Like, I can, I can manage this. Yeah. And honestly, the, the bigger we all get in our businesses and your podcast, we are going to have haters. Like I've, yeah. I've learned that at this point. It's like the bigger you get, you're going to piss some people off. Right. And you're obviously not trying to do it and you want so much love out there, but we have to find a way to just kind of deal with it, compartmentalize and say, you know what? I hope you're doing okay. If like you write a nasty comment on my LinkedIn, like I kind of feel for you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but um, either way, like I'm going to be okay. And I'm just going to keep pressing forward and just try and make as many, you know, add as much value to as many people as possible. That's awesome. Is there anything else on LinkedIn or, you know, social about, you know, getting it out there and, and spreading the message? Any other advice you want to give on that? I think, you know, people talk about quantity versus quality and it, it is a balance for me. So I post on LinkedIn every single day now. I wow. really do. And I, first of all, no one's ever messaged me that's like, I post too much. Yeah. I'll say that. Um, not every post does well, that's for sure. So I think it's a balance. Obviously, I try and write as high quality content as possible. And I write all of it. I don't have like a ghostwriter or anything like that. Um, not that there's a problem with that. If you find someone great, that's, that's no problem. I think it's a combination. I think the important thing is consistency. And you'll see this from every single person who's ever grown anything on social media, whether it's podcasting, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, doesn't matter, right? Just post frequently. Yeah. Um, obviously, you want high quality stuff, but it's got to be consistent. So at this point, like not a day goes by that I don't post on LinkedIn. Uh, and frankly, I have such a repository of content at this point, like the worst case scenarios, I go to like an old blog and, uh, you know, get inspiration, write a new post. The last thing I'll say is when you find something that does perform well and really hit with an audience, you can repackage and you should repackage the same content in a bit of a different way over and over and over again. It seems redundant, but your audience wants that. Like they yeah. liked it once, they want more of it, even if it's just a slight different angle on the same exact topic, that's what they want. They're looking to you for that. Like sometimes I'll get a comment on my post that was, thanks, Bradley, I needed this today. Mm. Like someone was having a bad day and sometimes my post can be a little inspiring. And so I don't know what it is about, you know, my post for that woman that day, but I, I, it was probably like a repackaged post from a year ago, but she loved it that day. And, and that feels amazing, right? That uh, one person read this and got some value. I was going to say, that's got to feel so good from your stance of like, okay, I spent all this time 
in doing this, it, someone just said it made their day. Like that's huge. Absolutely. And one more thing about LinkedIn, I'll tell you, is that I'm unknowingly building trust with our customers. Mm. So people will follow me for six months. I don't know about it. I don't know what's going on, but they'll eventually sign up for my lens. We'll get on a call. And frankly, they're ready to buy. Like, they're like, I know, they know me. They know my story. They trust me. They feel like they built this relationship with me. I don't know who they are, but, yeah. but I'm building this relationship with people like unknowingly, but there's now thousands of people out there that have been reading my story for years. And MyLens has a better brand image because of it, because I'm vulnerable online right. and I am genuine. And so they're ready to buy. And as a startup, I think that it's so, it's impossible to generate that. You can't go buy credibility, right? It has to be built over time and post on LinkedIn in a genuine way can build it up for you. That's, that's great advice. So to move on uh, to another topic, like you had mentioned earlier, about a lot of consultants or, or people like they don't necessarily like to sell, like they like to, the, to consult, they like to help, but they don't want to get out there and sell. Like, what are some things, some advice that you can give some different topics about, you know, selling without really feeling like you're selling or, or ways to get a, a, over, you know, that fear of selling? So I try and completely flip it on its head. I try and think about it as if you have an expertise, which I imagine if you're trying to consult, you at least believe you have an expertise, right? then you are giving a company an opportunity to have you solve their problem, right? Let's just say you wanted to really grow this podcast. And so you were talking to a marketing consultant, right? You are looking for help. And all that person is doing is giving you an opportunity to hire them, right? So I try and flip it as like, I'm not selling myself. I'm sharing about myself and giving you an opportunity to say like, do you need this, right? And the way that you do that is by asking questions. So if I ask you and I'm saying, hey, how are you thinking about growing this podcast? What channels are you using? What's your customer acquisition cost? How do you think about the tracking the data in a robust way? How do you think about channel partnerships? You might have some answers to some of those questions, but you might not have answers to others. Right. And, and by even asking those questions, I'm demonstrating expertise in a certain area. Right. Let's just say I knew everything about podcasting, which I don't, by the way, but you know, <laughs> let's just say I did. Right. Then you, I'm establishing myself as an expert. I'm also identifying an area where you need help. And I could say, let's just say I built a you know, multi million dollar podcast in the past. I could say, well, when we ran this podcast, right, we had some success doing XYZ things. So I'm continuing to validate myself. And yeah. all I'm doing is giving you an opportunity basically to buy, right? But I'm not saying like, I'm Bradley and you should hire me because I have this and I have this and I have this. I'm like, oh, like tell me about your podcast. What are your biggest challenges? What keeps you up at night? Those kinds of questions. And then I'm validating myself. I'm identifying an opportunity potentially. And you're seeing like, wow, like maybe, maybe I should ask this guy for some help. I love that. You, you hit it on the head. For me, it's the questions, right? Like, going in and it all it goes back to like validating your idea it's about asking like number one is that person your right fit for your customer or for your uh avatar like is that the person you want and then asking them the questions that's going to basically negotiate get them interested and want to purchase without you having to really sell yourself still validate tell stories do that but like you shouldn't have to sit up on a pedestal and and talk down it's it should be asking most of the questions to get the answers you want yeah i can't say it better than that we had talked about 
you mentioned that you want to do everything in my lands and help in every different way. But there's such a big thing, especially right now, of like trying to hone in and niche down and being very focused. What do you, what's your advice you have for the Remote Start Nation on if you're looking at right now, if you're working on a project, you're looking at starting a business, maybe you're in a business and you're looking at, you know, ways to become more successful. What can we talk to them about, about like really focusing and, and winning? So at the beginning, especially at the beginning, we all want to build these big businesses, or at least most people do, right? So they're like, okay, I need a big TAM. I need a big market size and all that kind of stuff. And what ends up happening is when you put out a website and you say like, you know, I'll use MyLance, we help freelancers grow their business, right? The freelance you know, industry is hundreds of millions of people, right? Uh, so I will speak a little bit to all of them, right? Whereas if I position ourselves as we help tech freelancers, I'm small, I make the pie smaller, yeah. But when, if I'm a tech freelancer, I speak a little bit more, like resonates a little bit more. And then if I say I help operations folks from technology that do part-time work, right? Now for that person, it's even more, resonates more. I've also shrunk my pie, but it resonates more. And then we could talk about, I help like single moms who do operations in technology, right? And, and the further that you go down, the, the more it's going to resonate with that customer. Because when you eventually, let's just use that example, right? I help, maybe I help single moms that do operations in technology who want to do part-time work. When that single mom reads that sentence, they're like, this is for me. Yeah. Right? And they sign up and they're very engaged. And if you aren't solving their problem, you'll know, right? Because they'll give you feedback. They're like, this was supposed to be for me. Maybe it's not hitting it, whatever it is. But the point is, when you start out, you don't need a million customers. In fact, you don't want a million customers. It, it will go very poorly, right? <laughs> So you need your first 10, your first 20, your first 100. You know, I keep saying to our team, we don't need a million customers. We need our first thousand. Let's right. just find our first thousand customers. And do I think that there's a, I'm just using this example again. Are there a thousand single moms who do operations in tech uh, part-time work? Absolutely. Yeah. But if I went to you, Jim, and I said, hey, this is our niche, you'd probably be like, what? Right? It's, it's a little confusing. At the same time, I could build a really great, the beginnings of a great business by getting super, super, super niche. And those people will actually be willing to pay more because my solution is so curated for that single mom in operations in tech. That's right? so true. So it's counterintuitive. And every consultant that comes to me, they say, I'm a Swiss army knife. I'm a jack of all trades. Like I'm, I, I really can do a lot of different things. I'm like, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you're really talented. Right? I'm not doubting that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you come to any business leader and you say that, they have no idea what value you bring and what differentiates you from the other Swiss Army knives out there. Because there's a lot. So, yeah. God, I was just gonna say we right now we're working on that with our agency. Like we, you know, start off in merchandise, and that was a big thing of what we did and how we started and started our own brand, and that got us to where we were. And then clients keep coming to us, and hey, I love what you do here. Can you do this for us? Can you do this for us? Can you do this? And, you know, there's that, that, that point for us where it's like, no, we can't. Or, you know what? We have somebody that we work with, that we trust, that we love. Yeah. Let's bring them in and let's work on this together. And I feel like that's a good solution because you're, you are creating 
that value for your customer. They trust you. They know that you're going to, you know, deliver on what you say, but you don't have to be the expert, right? So you're still niching down. You're just bringing in other help to, to bring that forward. Yeah, totally. And it, and it can be hard because you're kind of saying no to revenue, right? right? When you niche down and it's something I continue to struggle with, frankly, like someone comes to me and we found a not great customer for us is someone that wants to do consulting in between jobs, mm. right? And, and it just kind of makes common sense when you think about it, like they're going to do it for a few months and then they're going to move on to a W2 and I want customers for life, basically. I don't want a two-month customer. Yeah. But I still, I, I could definitely sell them, whether it's a playbook or coaching or leads, or I, I could definitely sell them on something. But frankly, w nobody wins in that scenario, right? Yeah. Like the customer is, is a short-term customer. Maybe they have success, maybe they don't. But for us, it's about saying yes to the right customer and forcing ourselves to say no to all of the wrong customers, at least for now. Say like, at least not at this moment, we'll build something for you in the future. But for now, I got to nail a product for one ICP, really. I, I like that. Uh, let's talk about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Everyone's got, in fact, I read an article, we're not supposed to call it syndrome because it has like such this negative connotation. It's supposed to be imposter thoughts. So I know I okay. read that in the forum, uh, but let's call it imposter thoughts. So uh, we all have it. And what, what the research shows is actually the more successful, potentially the more ambitious you are, the more likely you are to have it. And it can be totally debilitating. It can be just the thing that prevents you from moving forward. It, it could be the reason that you don't make that post on LinkedIn or you don't talk to that customer or you don't incorporate that company or the reason you stay in your stable but low ceiling job just because, frankly, it's easier to complain about your existing situation than make a change and confront whatever fear and posture thoughts you have. So I think the first thing that I do when I talk to people about this is I normalize it. Like everybody's got it. If someone says they don't, it's being manifested in a different way that just yeah. they're not quite aware of. And that's okay. But we all have it. Some people have it more than others, of course. And the real, the only way to really deal with it is to admit to yourself that you have it and try and identify where it's coming out for you. Like, what is it preventing you from doing? Or what are you not doing that you think you should be doing? Or no, usually you know what you should be doing, right? There's enough podcasts out there, enough books and enough blogs. You know how to start a business or you know how to grow your business, yeah. or you, but you're not doing something. Why not? And, you know, obviously coaching can really help. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but try and ask yourself that question, journal, meditate on it. Like what's coming up for me and understand where that really comes from. Like it could come from, you know, not to therapize anything. It could come from your childhood. It could come from, yeah. you know, your parents suggested that you, you follow a path and then you don't want to follow that path, but if you do follow this other path, then you have to go tell them about it and they might be really disappointed or they may make some comments that really hurt. And those comments do hurt. So who knows where it comes from? Only you do, frankly. Um, but you have to confront it head on. You have to know what's going on. And then even when you know what's going on, you still have to overcome it. You have to say like, yes, this is going to be scary. Yes, I might not be, I might get some tough feedback or I might get rejected. Uh, and uh, it's what I asked you earlier. Like, if you get rejected or you get that tough feedback, can you handle it? Yeah. And if you say like, yeah, it might suck, but I can handle it, then, then you just got to go do it. You just got to, you know, sometimes I, even, I tell customers, close your eyes, like write to the LinkedIn post, close your eyes and just click send. And, and hit send. 
Yeah. And close it and go play with your daughter. Like it just, it doesn't matter, right? Just, yeah. just get it done. And then you get into the practice of it. I will tell you, I never gotten rejected as much in my life than when I went to go raise money. We raised money with a, a few small angels. It was, you know, no big VC or anything, but I got told no about 150 times across six months. And, you know, I think we got 15 yeses and 15 yeah. yeses filled out our round and it was, you know, we got it done, but it was the hardest thing I'd ever, I'd ever done. And it's impossible for the imposter thoughts not to come up when you get told no. And did you see that when it first, like your first couple rejections, your first 10, 20, 30, like, did you really start to think like, maybe this isn't right? Like, maybe I'm not right for this? Absolutely. I mean, it's almost impossible not to, right? Like what? Yeah person goes out there and gets rejected 30 times in a row and says like, oh, I'm totally fine. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Right. It just doesn't happen. But when you hear stories of entrepreneurs, it, it, like almost every single time an entrepreneur had to overcome dozens of no's in a row, right? Like Sarah Blakely, when you listen to her masterclass, she went to hundreds of manufacturers to get Spanx. She's a, she's a former CEO now, but of Spanx. She built up Spanx, bootstrapped yeah. the entire thing, owns the whole company. It's incredible. Spanx unbelievable woman, right? And, yeah. and she talks about going to manufacturers for the first time and hundreds of no's. Like what kind of person does it take to get told no over a hundred times and just be like, I'm going to keep doing this. But that's what it takes. That's what it takes. What did you do for you? What was it that kind of took you from, from doubting yourself to walking to the next door and saying, hey, here I am. You're, you're going to laugh. I made a list of every small, super small accomplishment I had with MyLance. From I bought a domain, I found a lawyer to help me incorporate, I made my first dollar, I made my first hundred dollars. I, you know, I made a list of like hundred accomplishments. And every single time I was feeling down and especially when we were fundraising, I go look at that list. And I was like, there is a time I had nothing, right? I didn't have the idea, I don't have the name, I didn't have anything, but now I have all this stuff. And I still add to that list, by the way, like this list is ongoing, right? I mean, my first $10,000, my first $100,000, I have my first employee, right? Like every single thing. And I still go back to it, but that's what carried me over the finish line. And I say finish line, the finish line was like each day, yeah. like get up the next morning and keep executing, keep reaching out to investors. It does get easier, right? Because once you get told no 50 times, it's probably the hardest, you know, the first 10 maybe, but then you kind of get used to it. And actually the hardest part about that is you have to go into the next meeting with confidence. Yeah. So it's not just doing the outreach or, you know, setting up those calls. It's getting told no 50 times and still showing up with like, I'm the badass engineer, you know, entrepreneur that you want to give money to, even though I just got told no 50 times. <laughs> you're the guy, you're girl, <laughs> you're the girl, right? I love that. Well, unfortunately, our time's coming to an end, but I want to, before we go, I've got one more question. But I want to know, where can the remote start find you? So I'll plug my LinkedIn. I post every day. I share a lot of insights there. So Bradley Jacobs on LinkedIn, Bradley Jacobs, MyLance. You'll, you'll definitely find me. And then our website, MyLance.co. So you, we have a free newsletter that goes out every week. We share a lot of AMAs from our community, consulting tips, guides, resources in our newsletter. So sign up for that. It's free. Follow me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I'd love to see as many listeners as possible in our community. Cool. I and honestly, Remote Star Nation, if you're a consultant, get on it. Go go follow. Even I'm going to go follow just so I can, you know, keep up and see what's going on. And uh, this this podcast episode has been so informative. It's so much value. So 
I, I thank you so much, Bradley. I've got one more question. We talked about a lot of stuff today. What's the one biggest takeaway you can leave the Remote Start Nation that we hit on or maybe we didn't hit on? Needle moving activities. We did hit on it earlier, all that behind the scenes stuff. Like don't go design a logo and build a beautiful website and business model and research 1200 competitors. Don't do any of that stuff. Go move the needle, go talk to users, go jump on phone calls, go do the things that actually matter and ask yourself when you're about to do something, will this move the needle for my business? And if the answer is no, just drop it. Just like cross it off your to-do list. It doesn't, when I consulted, I didn't have a website. When I launched MyLance, I didn't have a product. Just go do the needle moving activities. That's what I'm going to leave you with. That's incredible. Thank you so much, Bradley. It was awesome. I'll keep in contact. Remote Start Nation. Remember, leave a comment, subscribe. Most importantly, share this episode with your community who you think could learn from what you heard today. Go start something, start it today. Until next time, we'll see you then. Well, we've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. Thank you for connecting.